Hey there, Holistic Badass listeners. How are you? It is springtime. Well, almost, kind of, sort of. Officially in my part of the United States, spring happens about March 20th. The spring equinox. However, I'm going to say that it's spring. We have beautiful sunny days and we have cool evenings with the occasional day or two full of rain. So in Ohio land, that says it's spring. Along with spring come the usual reminders to cleanse or to detox. But, you know, a lot of people hear them and they use those two terms interchangeably. So today we are going to talk about what constitutes a cleanse, what constitutes a detox, and what kind of natural things can you do to support those. So stay tuned, Holistic Badasses! The information presented in this podcast is for informational and self-education use only. It is not intended for self-diagnosis nor treatment nor anything that constitutes the practice of medicine. Please consult with a qualified physician concerning the prudence of and before undertaking any major changes in diet, any treatments for disease, any use of drugs or prescription items or the cessation thereof. Hey there, Holistic Badasses. Thank you for coming to hear me again. So today we're going to talk about detoxing and cleansing. Okay, sometimes people use those words interchangeably. And I think maybe that lends to a lot of confusion. I was listening to another podcast and there were some functional medicine doctors on there and they were discussing uh, detoxing versus cleansing. Uh, But first, let me tell you, a functional medicine doctor is a board-certified MD, medical doctor, who's also gone through testing to not find just those levels of performance that your body gives that'll merely keep you alive. But they also delve into much more narrow constraints, much more smaller... um, performance levels of assorted bodily functions that allows you to have optimal functioning. So they're allowable limits for certain things, say like thyroid hormones, are much more narrow than this wide allowable limit that you will see on your general blood test because that blood test is only showing you the bare ass minimum that's going to keep you alive. Okay, Um, but that is neither here nor there in this particular instance. So these functional medicine doctors were talking about the difference now. So and I wholeheartedly heartedly agree on the difference between the two. What 
the two docs on the podcast we're talking about was detoxing is more like your body, specifically the liver, has an abundance of something, some substance that should not be there that needs to be gotten out of the body. So think like detoxing from drug abuse or detoxing from alcohol abuse. In both of those instances, there can be an abundance of a foreign toxic matter built up in the liver as well as the rest of the body that needs to be broke down and processed to be gotten rid of. Okay. To me, those are emergency situations like it's detox or die time. What I want to talk about today is cleansing in general. And you hear about all kinds of cleanses. And most of them, I would have to say, I feel are bullshit. But we're going to talk today about some very mild cleanses, why people do them, why you might want to consider it, and maybe a few points that would change your mind from ever doing something like that. Maybe you're not in a population of people who would do well undergoing a cleanse. Okay. So, and like it says in the disclaimer on every episode, this is not prescribing anything. These are just some points to ponder and some more information for you so that you can make better decisions for yourself. Now, one of the key things that I've noticed is that there is a ton of cleanse products out there. So I'm going to share with you the things that I look for in a cleanse product. I look for a product that has a combination of a fiber supplement. So your soluble and insoluble fibers that has some herbs that will stimulate the flow of bile. They call those collagogs. And then also maybe some supplements or some teas that have high antioxidant value and a very high vitamin and mineral content and very high naturally in iron. But before we get into it much further, Let's talk about how your body breaks things down to be chucked out of the body, right? So we eat, we mash up the food in our mouths and it, the digestive process starts in your mouth with patel or with the different enzymes that break down simple sugars. And then you swallow this goes to your stomach and it sits in there being churned around with hot acid to break down the larger proteins, and then that gets kind of chucked into your small intestines where at the beginning it is buffered by something, some things called enzymes. And then also it has bile thrown in there and, and bile's mixed in there 
because what it does is it emulsifies the fats. So what does that mean? You remember those old liquid dishwashing detergent commercials where they would have like a dishpan full of nasty ass grease and just a little bit of water and then one drop of the blue liquid would hit that clear pan and all of the grease would just scatter immediately. What that blue dishwashing liquid does is it acts as an emulsifier, allowing that grease to get pulled away off the pan, and then it gets scattered into the water in tiny little droplets and then dispersed in down the drain, okay? So what we are going to do is when we eat, we need that bile to separate those fats into smaller molecules so that the body can use them appropriately, right? Small enough molecules to be absorbed through the teeny tiny microscopic, microscopic sieve that is your intestinal system. So all of these things, all of these chemicals and compounds that come in and act on the food that we eat have a definite purpose. Now that those food, those nutrients that are broken out of that food is absorbed through these tiny, teeny, tiny pores through the villi of the small intestine. It is transported through the bloodstream to each and every cell. The cells take it in through the cell walls and then the active processes of energy production and or fat storage or um, cell growth, those things all happen once those nutrients get into the cell wall. And then the junk that is left over that is not used gets shoved back out of the cell wall into this, the lymph which is then collected up at lymph nodes, which you have those everywhere, just larger clusters at major joints and around certain organs. So like breast tissue has a ton of lymphatic, whether you're male or female, has a ton of lymphatic uh, tissues in there um, at the groin, at the elbows, at the um, knees. These are all major collection areas, right? They act as your garbage stations. They're your trash guys. And then that gets shunted into the circulatory system, which then goes through the liver, um, which then the liver processes it into other components that can be gotten rid of. And one of the ways that it does this is it's flushed out through the bile, right? The bile not only helps to break up the fats to keep things moving, but it also helps to push out unwanted or already used chemicals. Now think about this. If the food that you eat is chemical and your body breaks it down and every cell uses it and the waste products afterwards are chemical and then they go back to your liver to be gotten rid of because you don't need them anymore, you're done, right? You're just gonna push them out through the digestive system, which is one big tube. So you're gonna poop that crap out later and that's everything that your body didn't use. It's just poop now, right? Gone, done.
If the liver can't sort it out, sometimes it goes through and it gets sorted out by the kidneys. They each have a different stop along this route. They've got a certain bus ticket for their station, and they can't get off that bus route until they're at their station. They have to be processed in a certain way to make that happen. Now, I know that a lot of medical doctors and a lot of your professors, and they all tell you that the body is meant to detox on its own. Yeah, it is. It really is. But do you really think that depending on how much crap and toxins you're around, that your body can keep up sometimes? I know when I personally worked at a rubber factory, I was having a lot of problems um, with irritable bowel and um, bile flushes and um, rashy things going on and all of that. And I left that environment and I didn't have near as many problems. Still have some I'm dealing with. I'm human like everybody else, but I didn't have near as many. And I'm going to basically say that my individual body could not handle sucking in all the chemical fumes that I inhaled every day for 12 hours a day. I feel much better not being there. Even with the constant stress that I'm under, I still feel better not being there. So your body's channels of elimination are, of course, the poop tube, right? You put it in on one end of the tube, your body uses it and shunts it out as poop on the other, right? Through the colon. The other waste elimination is your kidneys. Then, of course, you have the skin. The skin is sometimes called the third kidney by a lot of people who work in natural health. And then there is another, your breath. Mainly the water vapor droplets that come out through your breath. Now, I know a lot of medical doctors who say it's no big deal. You're just supposed to go ahead and let that happen. But let's think about the unnatural things that we take into our body. NSAIDs non-steroidal anti-inflammatory treatments over the counter. Tylenol gives you liver damage. Ibuprofen can irritate the liver, the gut lining, and the kidneys. Aspirin can irritate the entire GI tract, specifically the lining of the stomach. There's many, many more. These are just the ones I can rattle off the top of my head. So let's think about you know, do we maybe need a break from these things once in a while so we're not constantly assaulting our body? I say yes. You can do whatever you want. So there are some things that I look for in a good cleanse or in a good cleanse packet, right? Now, this is just general. And it's pretty customary in a lot of cultures to have a spring tonic cleanse. One of the key components of that is going to be that soluble and insoluble fiber. The other thing is going to be some sort of herb that stimulates the flow of bile. 
What stimulates the flow of bile? Bitter things. The taste of bitter stimulates bile to get moving. So what tastes bitter that we would be using? Well, as a total and complete no-brainer, there are a lot of products out there sold in health food stores called digestive bitters. So digestive bitters are usually a mix of herbs that taste bitter, that stimulate bile and other digestive enzymes to be produced in a little larger quantity to stimulate that flow and just kind of move things through the digestive system. They used to serve digestive bitters as an apertif, so to speak, uh, during multi-course meals when you were going to be having some sort of heavy fat. Think like big, thick, fat-laden roast, you know, that kind of thing. And by taking a sip of this mixture, you would stimulate the flow of bile, which helped break down the meat and the proteins and also emulsify those fats so you can poop easier and not be descended later and have to open up your pants and think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So, in digestive bitters, one of the main ingredients in a lot of those is something called gentian. Gentian um, is a wonderful herb that kind of picks up that bile flow a little bit. And in the show notes, I will put a link to one of my blog posts on digestive bitters because there'll be a lot of options in that blog post to choose from specifically gentian, but even more. Ironically, during the time that I worked as a bartender, there is a very popular drink called a gin and bitters. Gin itself is made from juniper berries, which stimulates the kidneys. Might be one of those reasons why you have a gin and tonic and immediately feel the need to go to the bathroom and pee. But the bitters in that then stimulates the bile flow. And then, of course, usually there's tonic water or something in it just to keep it going. But that bitters syrup that you get, it's almost contradictory, isn't it? Bitter syrup. But the bitters syrup that you buy at a liquor store is a flavoring mix to put with rum or gin or vodka or whatever, what have you. And it keeps things moving through the digestive system, and it's considered to be healthy for the gut. Eh, I don't know about adding the alcohol being so healthy, but those bitters would be a wonderful thing. And you don't need to have booze to take those in. Put them right down with some water. Put them down. Tonic water in and of itself is not just too detrimental, so you can add a little tonic in with it. And have some bitters. Use it as your after-dinner aperitif. Another really important bitter, of course, is dandelion. And dandelion is like the granddaddy of all herbs. It's very high in all minerals. It's very supportive for just general overall health. And 
it also acts as a mild diuretic, therefore also stimulating those kidneys, and it stimulates the flow of bile, so it helps to move the waste out. Another great herb for that is burdock. Sometimes you will see milk thistle thrown into cleanse products. Milk thistle has a chemical ingredient in it called silymarin. Now silymarin actually is the source for some prescription medications that you get if you've been poisoned, right? You think you've ingested something poisonous, you get yourself to the emergency room and they're worried about liver damage, you will get a silymarin derived medication, hopefully maybe, if that's what's necessary. And it helps to protect that liver and heal any damaged cells. It's very slow moving with that, but it's very good for the liver. Also in those products, you will find things high in iron. So what's high in iron? I'm waiting. Spinach is incredibly high in iron. You know when it you want to know what else is incredibly high in iron? Oh, that dandelion leaf. So high in iron. Burdock, root and the stalk and the leaf. Very high in iron. Yellow dock, extremely high in iron. All dark green leafy vegetables, very high in iron. So when you eat these things that are high in iron and also bitter, they stimulate that bile to go and get squeezed by the gallbladder. Or if you don't have one of those, you just mainline that, that bile straight into the digestive tract. But where's it going to go? Anyone who's had gallbladder issues will tell you that bile flying more readily is awful. But maybe not. That's where the, the fiber comes in. That mix of soluble and insoluble fiber kind of swells up and acts like a sponge. So when that bile emulsifies the fat, it becomes suspended in this big gooey bristly ball, right? That is your fiber. And it, A, buffers it so you don't get that rolling greasy, I am going to barf straight bile feeling and B, helps to move it right along. And it kind of works nicely because the bile and the emulsified fats makes the colon keep pushing things out. So it becomes a nice bowel movement instead of jet-propelled diarrhea, right? And that's, that's really the goal. And I know you don't want to hear about people pooping, but it's important. It's so important. Sometimes in these cleanses, you will see uh, antiparasitic herbs in them. Some of my favorites include black walnuts or pawpaw extract. Uh, sometimes you'll see graviola, um, which is from South America down in the Mediterranean, that kind of thing, or not Mediterranean, in the Caribbean is where graviola grows. It's a cousin to what we have in the temperate regions of the Great Lake area that's called pawpaw. And those plants have been shown to help 
move along any unwanted house guests. And let me tell you, it happens. I, I had a friend call me out of the blue one day. She had been taking a very popular five-step antibiotic. And she called me and she said, oh my God, did you know that this antibiotic is a parasiticide? I was like, well, I didn't specifically know that, but you know, I guess now I do. And then she said, oh, 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 ask me how I know. And I'm like, okay, I'll bite. How do you know? And she said, because I just passed a piece of a tapeworm. Ew! But it happens, people. So doctors who tell you that people don't get parasites, the flying fart they don't. We do. We are humans are just animals like all the other animals. We do. We can. It's very common. All right. You see little kids playing in sandboxes, putting sand in their mouth. How do you know a cat hasn't been doing their business in that sand? You don't. You pray they haven't, but you don't know that. And cats are notorious, especially ferals, for carrying roundworms, tapeworms, and pinworms. It's super common. Throw in some black walnut into a cleanse and just move the unwanted house guests out. Evict them. All right? Before they start getting mail there. <laughs> Joking. But <laughs> these things are key components to cleanses. And they're things you want to look for. Now, there's a lot of cleanses out there where they tell you, just do a juice fast, just do this, just do that. When you see those cleanses, right, because people will say that they're cleanses, or you'll find them as a infographic on Pinterest, there's usually a specific reason why they're doing them. And that isn't something I would do as just a general seasonal thing. To just kind of clean things out a little bit. Keep things moving. Nothing wrong with doing a little bit of general maintenance. What's a little extra fiber? What's a little extra vitamin and mineral content in a plant source that helps to flush out some toxins and move it along? Doesn't seem like a bad idea to me. Just remember that during most cleanses, it is suggested to maybe eat a little lighter. If you are a meat eater, stick to your lighter meats that are easier to digest. That's fish, sometimes chicken for some people, unless you have a latex allergy. You want to make sure that you have a good balanced diet that's low in uh, processed carbs, low in processed sugars, Maybe skip the fruit juices and go for eating a whole fruit. These are important things. I like to follow general cleanses up with a nice big round of good probiotics just to make sure we keep all those little guys happy in the gut. There's lots of research out there about how this beneficial bacteria in your gut helps to balance out your hormones, balance out your immune system. It's really important. We need to pay attention to that. 
Okay, y'all. So that has been my suggestions on a cleanse. So unless you are doing a cleanse for some specific reason, um, some people really swear by gallbladder cleanses or kidney cleanses and those types of things. That's not what I'm talking about here. But this is just your general every spring, every fall. Give your body a house cleaning. Give it a break from the bombarding of toxins and do a cleanse. And let's not forget an emotional cleanse. Ooh, what was that little tidbit I just threw in there? Yeah, an emotional cleanse. So here's the thing. Not only is everything you take in your body create a chemical reaction, but every thought, feeling, emotion is a chemical reaction. It is all a chemical reactive chain where your body puts off a chemical and makes all of your cells elicit a response. Your moods are chemicals. Your hormones are chemicals. All chemicals, people. They get broke down by the liver just like alcohol. Well, not just like it, but they also get done by the liver just like the liver does alcohol. Okay, that's how I, I should say that's better. Slightly different chemical process, but yeah. It has to be chemically processed to be gotten rid of. Every neurotransmitter, every endorphin, Every time you listen to a song and you get that feel-good relaxation, every ASMR vibe that you get has to be processed by the liver, right? And it has to be gotten rid of because you're done with those chemicals. Think about that. What about those prescription medications? There are reasons why sometimes people on prescription medications have bad breath, smelly crap, rashes, their pee turns weird colors. It's because the body is trying to get rid of the chemicals from the prescription. Now, it does not mean go off your prescriptions. If it is a life-sustaining prescription, you need to stay on that. And going off of prescriptions is something that you discuss with your doctor, not your herbalist, not your natural health care provider. While we need to know what medications that you're taking so we don't suggest something that will cause an adverse reaction, it is not our job to tell you to go off of that. What we can tell you is what side effects might come of it and why we would go talk to our doctor and discuss going off of something or not going off of something. In the meantime, bitters, get that liver moving. And then your emotional detoxing, flower essences. Flower essences, in my opinion, Work to get those stuck emotions out. Now, whether or not you believe it, whatever, that's your decision. But I know that I have seen flower essences 
work very well in cases of emotional trauma and shock. And therefore, I will suggest that people should maybe give them a whirl. One of the best things I've ever tried is an emotional detox tea that I got from one of my mentors, one of my instructors. She's near and dear to my heart. Lori Hargis gave us an emotional detox tea and told us a recipe for it, I should say, and told us to share that with people. So also in the show notes will be a link to that emotional detox tea. So anyone who wants to get the items to make it can have it and they can mix it up and give it a whirl. So yes, cleansing in the spring and the fall is not just pooping out worms or getting the bile flowing, but it's also getting rid of all of those crappy ass thoughts. Okay, y'all, happy cleansing. Just remember, take it from me. A cleanse is not all about pooping yourself to death. A cleanse has to do with moving along unwelcome items that your body can no longer use. So if it's nothing but jet-propelled diarrhea, it's probably not a cleanse. It's just a pain in the ass. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You have a great day, y'all. Hey. Are you a holistic badass who's also a practitioner? Do you do foot reflexology? Do you do ear candling? Do you see clients and offer suggestions? Maybe it's time to get yourself covered with liability insurance in your alternative career path. You need to check out Alternative Balance. Just go to the link bio on the description of this podcast and follow the Alternative Balance link to see if they offer coverage for your profession. And it's time on Holistic Badass where we have our herbal spotlight. So today I picked one that I tend to highlight in some of my talks on edible weeds that you find growing out in your yard. We're going to highlight just a couple of the medicinal uses of it as well. So today I want to talk to you just a little bit about lamb's quarters. Now lamb's quarters has some other common names, pigweed, white goosefoot, goosefoot, wild spinach, um, this particular plant, the scientific name is Chenopodium album. It's in the goosefoot family, right? So there's other goosefoots, goosefoots, goosefeets, other goosefoots plants. Um, but this one in particular is the one that I'm going to be talking about today. Now, if you've been to one of my talks, you've seen the picture of this plant. They call it goosefoot because the shape of the leaf almost looks like a goose's webbed foot, right? They have medium to dark green leaves. The underside is a lighter green or white. Uh, it has a venation pattern, a vein pattern that comes off one central spine and they come off the main stem in an alternating pattern. 
Um, it has a, um, it's not a square stem, but it's a more fibrous stem. They can grow up to three feet tall. Although I will say if you're going to eat them like as a salad, the smaller the plant will give you much more tender, palatable leaves. Like if you want to pick them and throw them in with your salad, um, even if you're using them in a cooked dish, because you can use them just like you would spinach. So say you're going to make a quiche and you want to use cooked spinach, but you don't have any, it is totally acceptable to go out and gather some lamb's quarter leaves and use those instead. And the smaller you get, the more palatable they are, of course. They are get a little more bitter and a little more tough as they get older. So the shorter, newer ones are the ones you're looking for. Now, contrary to popular belief, this is not necessarily a plant that is native to North America. It's a carryover, came over with the white European settlers. That being so, Native Americans did use this plant. It spread pretty darn quick once it got here. It is an annual, which means that every year the seed has to spread. So this plant produces these green flowers at the top. If any of you have ever had to pull pigweed out of a flower bed or out of the garden when I was a kid, that's what we had to do. We had to pull weeds and I knew what pigweed was. It wasn't until I was almost 30 that I realized that this thing is edible. You know, you're always taught to go out and pull the weeds and that they're undesirable. Nobody tells you you can eat those weeds. Um, it is a fabled plant. Uh, some archaeological reports um, tend to have a lot of stories about lamb's quarters. Now, I did say they grow up to three feet in high. Some people have reported some of them up to 10 foot high. However, I will tell you right now that I am not eating one of those 10 foot tall bushes because they're going to taste like crap. Um, but medicinally, they have use. Um, some traditional uses, like one is tea. The tea made from lamb's quarter kind of smells a little fruitful. Um... It, they use it a lot for gastrointestinal tract disorders like diarrhea, stomach ache, um, perhaps if you have a little bit of an internal fissure, intestinal inflammation, or if you haven't been real hungry, a little loss of appetite. Um, a lot of times though, how I really like to use it is topically. So topically, there's a lot of reports of taking those leaves, chewing them up, and making a poultice out of the goo, right? You take that paste from chewing it up, or you can put it in a mortise and pestle and macerate it, you know? Same thing that happens when you chew it. Or rub it in between your leaves or your hands till the leaves get all gooey and the juice is coming out. And you want to pack that onto irritated skin. Now, there is some, there are some reports that say bathing in lamb's quarter leaves water, which is a fancy way of saying lamb's quarter tea, um, can rejuvenate and tighten up sagging skin. 
That I only saw in one or two sources, but there are some reports on that as a cosmetic type purpose. Um, this particular plant has certain herbal actions, uh, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, anti-rheumatic, carminative, hepatic, laxative, sedative. So anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, those are pretty self-explanatory. Anti-rheumatic uh, is a word that means it relieves the pain and discomfort of musculoskeletal inflammation through a variety of actions. Carminative means it helps you fart. Hepatic means it's a general support for liver function. And I don't think I need to explain laxative or sedative. You will find lamb's quarter growing all over the place in the, in the Northern Hemisphere for sure. Um, people who actually sow the seed, they're gonna sow that in the spring and they're gonna rake it through the soil like you would if you were doing a bed of lettuce. And they do really well in soils that hold moisture. So where I'm at in Ohio, we're in a zone 6A, uh, we live in a clay soil type area. It's not 100% clay, but way back in the day when the white settlers came, this area was a lot of spongy marsh and swampy land. As they dried that, that land revealed a lot of clay content. So they grow like crazy here. Um, the seeds and the flowers, um, they, they don't really have a petal to them. They're a little green and they kind of look like little green balls up at the top. Um, you can usually gather the seeds if you're going to gather some. You, they mature at the arrival of fall. Now you want to be looking at these in the spring, early summer as food stuff. And then um, you can gather the seeds, which have been used also as a cereal and the larger leaves um, towards the fall, of course. I, if you're going to dry the leaves to have on hand, you know, so that you can grab them later for a poultice or something, um, I would recommend a, a food dehydrator. I've done the drying in an oven and I always feel like I get those herbs too dry. There's just not quite enough air moving around in there to do that. Now for a tea, uh, I will steep those leaves in water for 20 to 30 minutes and then strain or pull out the tea ball or pull out the tea bag. For a straight up decoction, I will take the dried leaves and boil that in water um, on a low rolling boil for five to six hours. And that's gonna be a super strong decoction. You can um, preserve that. I froze it. So to thaw out later. Um, and if you're going to make it shelf stable, you're going to want to have an alcohol content to that to avoid um, any growth of molds and bacterias.
so yeah um go out there this spring this summer because spring is officially tomorrow this is march 20th when i'm recording this so tomorrow march 21st is officially spring even though where i'm at we're cold we're having an end of march cold snap not totally unheard of and we are so ready for the warm weather but these guys will be popping up through the soil. The younger leaves at the top are almost kind of a, they almost look a little lancelot shape or like a little diamond shaped as opposed to the goose foot. But you'll know which ones they are. As soon as you see that first leaf kind of pop up into a goose foot shape, you know you're on the right track with these. So get out there and enjoy Lamb's Quarter. It is time to wrap up our podcast. We've discussed what the difference is between detoxing and cleansing and which one we would like to support. We would actually like to support both functions, but you know, what we can do in our daily life to kind of give our bodies a little help along. So in the show notes, you will find links to some assorted things. I have a link built in where you can find products I like to use. You can choose whatever products you want and get them wherever you want. However, if you happen to use one of the links that I have up in a show note, just know that I probably get a very small kickback on that. And that's okay because that helps pay my bills. So takes a lot to make the world go around but you get out there enjoy the springtime breathe the fresh air get some sunshine when it's available because spring in this neck of the woods also brings lots of showers and rain but we want to get out there we want to get moving we want to shake off the winter sedentary habits and we want to get our bodies moving the way they're intended to move So I hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you could do me a favor and hit the like button and subscribe because subscriptions really help me out guys. They really keep those numbers pumping and the more subscribers I have, the higher up I go in the suggested podcast list. So do me a favor, just hit those buttons. And if you want to know about any more of the products that I talked about or where you can find those products or similar ones, reach out, leave a comment, let me know. In the meantime, get out there and be a holistic badass this spring like I know you can.